ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. GPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Logan Stanfield, how are you, sir? Welcome to ATV Talk. Doing pretty good. We're out here in uh, Florida at Decker Training Facility getting some good riding in. And we're just happy to be on here. Well, I appreciate you taking some time with us. I know that you have a rigorous, rigorous training schedule. And um, the last thing I want to do is is break up your day and and have you sit down and uh, talk to me when you should be out training. Oh, it's all good. It's uh, 8.30 here, so we're done for the day. Um, today was actually an off day. Um, but we're ready to get back at her tomorrow morning, so... What what do you do for your on and off days? What are your what's your training schedule like? <laughs> um, so my training schedule normally goes. I ride about four to five times every week. Um, break it up. Kind of the weather just kind of depends on what my schedule is going to look like. Um, we like to get up decently early, around seven thirty ish. Uh, get the day rolling. Work out. We don't really work out in the morning. We do a nice little stretch to get loose and then get ready for motos. And then from there, it's just kind of what we decide to work out on. And that really completes our day after a bike prep and um, all the other good stuff going on. Do you have a training partner or do you have a trainer with you? Um, I currently do not. I've had a trainer with me since 2015 up until the end of last year um no real reason we got rid of them i'm just kind of think i'm ready to be on my own um i think i've matured enough so i'm just kind of taking my own ropes and what i've learned from my old trainer travis moore which is still with us he still comes to races with us and uh does my race bike and my gate prep which is uh really good for me and to have him in my corner so but other than that, we ride with a few other guys here and that really helps us out. Kind of getting a ride with Alan Myers and the Deckers and there's 
uh, people that come in and out. Max Lindquist was here quite a bit and Chad came. So it's kind of nice to be in uh, the area they're at as well. So you get to ride with some of those guys, even though that you race with them. <clears throat> yeah, it's just uh, kind of neat because you kind of learn off of each other. And especially riding with, you know, Chad, you watch him and he's just on another level all the time. Um, I noticed that you, in your deal that you sent me that you've been a pro for two years. How did Daytona go for you this year? Um, Daytona went, I think about the same as last year. I got a ninth overall, which is, um, I wasn't the happiest about it. I was really wanting a better result, but Daytona is like a race. You just want to get through and get out safely. Almost. It's not, um, very ATV friendly on the track side. Is, have you had bad luck there before? Um, I haven't had the best luck. We could say that I've had a few wins in my amateur days. And then I've also had a few pretty good wrecks and just, um, so I'm kind of timid there. I just don't feel like I have the best luck. So we're hoping to get a, some better results in Texas in a couple of weeks. What, uh, what, what's your goal for, uh, your position? Where do you think you're going to break out this year? Um, I would like to be in the top uh five spot it's gonna be super tough with all the guys training super hard um fifth to seventh is where i'd really like it to be is um and i think that's reasonable for me yeah uh you you mentioned also that you have a full-time job when you're at home how often do you get to go home so i'm home pretty much from the end of the season to january mid-january I work for my dad. We do a diesel truck. We have a diesel truck shop and a Napa store, and we do a lot of uh, road service for our semis and tractor trailers. Really? So you've grown up yep, doing so, your whole life? Yeah. I mean, I've ran around the shop since I could walk and I've just been around it my whole life. So it's just what I've grown up doing. Is that what you're going to do after racing? Yeah, I would like to take my dad's business over someday and maybe even expand it more and build another shop. He currently has uh, two uh, full shops, a truck shop, truck stop, and a uh, more like the truck stops kind of for like uh, oil changes, tires, brakes, stuff like that. And then we have a, our big shop for motors, transmissions, pretty much all the big jobs. Really? That's pretty good. That's a pretty good gig there, huh? Yep. Yep. He really enjoys it. Um, I like being there. It's a of great people. So makes it even better. And how long have you been racing the nationals? Totally. I've been racing the nationals since 2000, I would say 2012, probably 2010, maybe I honestly couldn't tell you the, the first year we went, um, I remember it, but I can tell you the year. So it's been, we've been here for quite a while. I mean, I started when there was all the factory teams. So that's kind of what I looked up to when I was a, a young gun and wanting to become a pro and be on a factory team one day. Yeah. And then they all left. Yeah. Yep. But it, was, it still became a dream. So I just kept, kept following it. And here I am. And 
<clears throat> so how are things going for you in the developmental pro- progress? Um, I think they're going pretty good. I've been um, working a lot on myself lately and focusing on my program and just trying to figure out um, all these little things that will help uh, the big things fall together. When you mean little things, like talk me through a few of them. Um, just like learning my bike better. I think if you have a better understanding on your bike, you can, uh, make better adjustments. So I've been trying to learn my suspension and like all the angles of the bikes. Like, you you know, you got your caster camber, um, and pretty much just how the bike works. And that's what I've been learning, trying to learn and just all those little things. And, you know, you can go out on track and say, okay, you know, my bike's rolling a little bit here. I think I could do this. And you just try stuff out. And if it doesn't work, you change it the other way. That's kind of it, you know, make an adjustment and hope you made it the right direction. And, and, and yep. And I think it's, I've always had Travis by my side, so I've never really had to ask myself, you know, what do I do here? I just told him my bike sucks right here. So what can we do? And, he'd make the change, but the changes. So I think it's kind of good for me to know that. So it's kind of have more point of views on it. And that's the, the more knowledge you have, the better it's going to be for you. And it's just a better overall system. If you can tell any mechanic that you ever work with, what modifications you want to make and why you want to make them. Right. That's why. Yeah. That's kind of what I was trying to say. Um, just like, you know, Chad, he's, he has his Yamaha dialed in and it's because he builds them. In my opinion, you know, he builds them exactly how he wants them. That and the fact that he's been doing it for a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a big part in it too. You know, I remember being back when he was riding Hondas back in the days when he was, when he was a green pro, you know, and, uh, and meeting him then. And, and now he's a seven time champ. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yep. He's pretty, pretty consistent. And all those guys are insanely fast. You know, Joel's on another level, Jeffrey and when Thomas was in there, he was, those guys are all vets and they're hard to keep up with. So you're learning your craft and, and developing your trade. Are you, focusing on the long-term to put yourself in a category with a Chad Weenan or a Joel Hetrick to, uh, to run long-term? You know, um, I've thought about this forever. I don't know if I'll ever like spend enough time in the sport to be a pro champion seven times or whatever. Um, Cause it's like my life, but I would like to start my own life one day and make like money, like my dad and have a business. So that's kind of my goal one day. Um, I'd like to start a family one day. Just don't know when. (laughs) Well, it's, it's not impossible to do while you race. It's just twice as hard to do it while you race. Yeah, I agree. Um, it would help if the, you know, if they had, um, factory rides in there still that would support us more. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I don't, 
make as much as I would like to in the sport. So maybe if it was back in the day, it'd be different for me. It's just, a, it's a tough gig because, you know, I, I started doing this when there were no factories in it. And, um, you know, I've seen him come and go a couple of times, a couple different times. And, um, it makes it harder after they leave. Um, you know, because if everybody thinks that the money's there and when the factories leave, the money goes too. Yeah. That's the sad part. Cause it's kind of, kind of puts everybody else in a tough spot as well. Well, your independence have, have have to carry the load. And when you're in. Right. So like, I don't, I mean, I have some like good help from some good people, but my dad, like my family is my like number one supporter. Yeah. That's, and, and that's the way it is with most people is their families are the ones that are supporting it and, and making it happen for everybody because, you know, they have to allow you the time off from work. You know, they're helping foot the bill so that you can, so that you can go do what you love. Does your dad get to come watch any of the races? Yeah, my dad, he's, um, I want to say he's like, 65 now so he's not close to retiring he he'll work forever he loves to go to work but he gets some time off now that he's um got his business running pretty good so he comes and spends weeks at a time down here with me while i'm training and he he's never missed a race so he makes sure he's all the way always there and along with my mom she comes everywhere too so i'm super thankful that they can make it here all the time and you were mentioning, and maybe I wasn't clear on it, or I didn't understand the answer. You don't have a full-time mechanic with you. You're doing everything on your own. Yes, that is correct. I, um, I work on my bike pretty much every day by myself. They have an on-site mechanic here at Decker training facility. That's uh great. His name is Kevin. Um, he can do anything you want really, but mostly like just maintenance and stuff. I do all on my own. And then if you get something heavy duty, he jumps in and helps you out. Yep. That's pretty awesome. With all the guys down there, how does he ever find time to, to catch everybody? Um, he doesn't, he just kind of, there's like a couple main guys here. So he kind of fits us in whenever we really need it. Um, but he has, I mean, tons of business just from, uh, local kids that come here and ride and they leave their dirt bikes here and he has like a a weekly fee that he charges for everybody and that's like a fully prep bike wash your bike look it over bolt check change the oil and your bike's ready to go that's pretty awesome yeah he's for the he does an awesome job do what is that for dirt bikes and quads i believe so wow that's that's pretty awesome you know yep so they they have a nice little shop and they're working on getting a, uh, a dyno together. They have the dyno here. It's just not set up yet. It has to be all wired in and they're working on getting somebody for that. But after that, I think they'll have a pretty good race program going here with a dyno, a full-time mechanic, um, a gym. They have two, uh, motocross tracks, a woods loop, a pit bike track and a peewee track. So they got pretty much everything then. Yep. They, they really do. And 
they're even talking about letting side by sides on the uh, the smaller MX track. No, keep them set no. out, of, out of our quad tracks. Motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> tracks. I'm not anti UTV. I'm just anti UTV. <laughs> no, I understand. They really tear some stuff up. It's rough on the sand dunes and rough in the trails. Um, they're, they, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're fun to drive. You know, if I could keep one on its wheels, it'd probably be a little more fun, but yeah, I totally agree with you. <laughs> well, I get to do a bunch of test riding for Duncan racing and, and, uh, every UTV that I've tested, I've turned on its side or upside down. That's, so where do you, uh, where do you test drive all that stuff at? Do they have like a facility? No, we go, we just, we're so close to the desert. We just go out to the desert, whether you go to the dunes or the hard pack is just depending on how far you want to drive, you know, or which, which kind of testing you want to do. I see. So like what, uh, sand dunes do you guys go to? Like we can go to buttercup. We can go to Gordon's well, or we can go to Glamis, which is all the same dune. Um, it's all in the same dune line on, on the map. It's just different sections. Yep. I gotcha. <laughs> That's pretty neat. You guys are so close. I've never really been like, uh, dunes riding. I guess I went like twice to the little Sahara in Oklahoma. So that was pretty fun. We just went out there on stock bikes and we literally rode all day, but that's one of like, I like to do that stuff. It makes riding fun for me when you can go to different, uh, sceneries and ride like that. And you know, that, that ultimately that's where the sport is, is at because you know, a very small percentage of it is racing. The rest of it's the recreational rider from whether they're trail riding in the woods or in the mountains, or they're going to the sand dunes or they go to the hard pack desert. It doesn't matter as long as you're riding. Um, we, yeah. grew, we grew up in the sand dunes and in the hard pack desert, um, out here in, in Southern California. So it's, uh, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, I, I've always loved to ride and I've always loved our, our sport. Um, racing on a course, whether it be an off-road setup or a desert or, or even motocross, it's to me, it's always better to do that than just open trail riding. I'm not as much of a fan. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, we did a, uh, a GNCC last year, my first one ever. And it was, they really got something going there. That's for sure. But I, the woods riding wasn't really for me. <laughs> was it the mud or the trees? The trees. It really wasn't that muddy there. It was pretty cold, but I kept having uh, front brake problems. And they would just pull to my bars and I would smoke a tree or something. <laughs> just so so fast. And and I have like back problems. So I, like, I never want to sit down when I'm riding because I don't like it just kills my back and I was standing up and about an hour in, I was so beat. I could barely hold on. Wow. You're not going to go back. I take it. Um, I don't know. We might, might go try it again. Maybe build a bike for it or something. Maybe I'd enjoy it a little more. I did it on a bone stock bike with nerf bars and big tires. 
Yeah, I think maybe you ought to try building a bike and and going out there. Maybe maybe talk a little bit to Walker Fowler and some of the other guys and, and get some pointers and and go out there on a real race bike. I think you I think you'll have a good time. Yeah, I think so. It's just like you you're taking a uh I had to run pro am, so it's like taking a stock bike and running pro am here. You know, you probably wouldn't enjoy it when all those guys have all that power and suspension against you. <laughs> You didn't try to run the pro class? No. Nope. <laughs> I'm on a stock bike. Well, yeah, I get it. But if you if you were gonna be on an equal machine, would you run the pro class or pro am? Um, it really depends what I was going for. I think um I would rather try to podium or something in pro am in the woods than get my butt kicked in the woods by the pros. <laughs> uh, there, there's, there's a method to that madness, I guess. Have you ever thought of coming and racing on the West coast at all? I have, I would actually love to do that one day. Um, it's just such a, such a haul for us. I think it's like a thousand some miles all the way out there and back. Yeah. Each it, way. It, so yeah. that's the, you know, you, you need a couple of weeks to do it so that you, so you don't have to do the late night drives and just keep it going. Um, or make it so that when the schedule's close enough that you could race a couple times and then head back. Yeah. Make it worth my while going out there. I, I think you'd enjoy it. It's uh, off-road racing is, is its own entity, just like the, uh, just like the wood stuff. Um, the course that you pick to race matters. Like if you want to get beat up, come and race Havasu. Yeah. It's rough. Um, if you want the, the full experience, you know, high speed with sand, you know, the, not the, the soft, fine sand, but the coarse sand, you can go to prim. Uh, there's a couple other places. Glen Helen's a good place to go because you good to get a good and variety the motocross section is is usually really good uh similar to a national motocross track but not quite as aggressive on some of the jumps because off-road racers don't jump like motocross guys do i got you so when you guys like like say like off-road so is it like a gncc style race kind of without the uh woods i guess um, no, it's the desert race with a motocross section in it. Okay. So I got you. Uh, some of the courses have edges. Some of the courses have more like Jeep trails or, or fire roads, you know, that are wide enough to pass on. Um, then you'll run into some uh, different kind of rocky terrain, uh, you know, or, or ruts. There's just all kinds of varied trains that you can ride in from dusty, rocky trails to uh, high speed edges, you know, and high speed edges. I bet money are not your friend. Um, yeah. If you've never, if you've never ridden across them, um, then there's just whoop, sand whoop tracks. It, it's a variety of different stuff. Like if you go race Stradaline and do a works race up in uh, Washington, um, your woods rider has a better advantage because there's some tight technical areas there that, um, allow his expertise to shine. 
a few years back we raced in uh utah and it was a water race and the two uh xc riders that came out a pro-am and a pro they waxed everybody's clock i mean they just took the whole thing uh because they were prepared to ride in the water and we were not yeah yeah those guys i mean just riding with the pro-am guys those guys were pretty quick yeah they really know what they're doing back there in the woods that wasn't my cup of tea i had sometimes i was like i don't even know if i'm on the right trail <laughs> going along with it oh good thing the desert courses are marked yeah well they're supposed to be in the woods but it's like you have a thousand people out there i guess they get ripped off sometimes oh that i've only gotten to go back and experience um a woods race, a couple different places. Uh, I went to Blackwater with a, a, a guy named Bob Sloan. Um, he's unfortunately passed on, but he was one of the the big name guys back in the eighties uh, on two fifty Rs, and um, we got to ride the course on motorcycles the day before. And it's nothing like you think because he was telling me, he was showing me all the, the spots where they dam up the water and create mud holes and create, um, you know, hazards basically for the racers so that the fans can help them out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't sound fun, you know? uh, Yeah. That's kind of, as I was going through, you know, I've never, never done one before. And most of these guys, they take, their mountain bikes and ride through the trails and kind of put little markers out of their own to which trail to take. And I just went out there and no idea, just started running through the woods and you'd come up and you'd have to go through a Creek. And I did the Ironman one and they have the Ironman Hill. And that thing is just massive. <laughs> I went up at one time and I barely got up before it was wet. So I just, I didn't do it anymore. I didn't know if I'd have enough horsepower to get up it. What do they give you a cheater line? Yes. Uh, there's, you have to go like around the hill kind of, you just go, you turn left and run down the hill a little bit and then come up the side of it. It's still pretty big coming up the side of it, but you could have better run at it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to stay in the desert. It's just a little more fun for me. Yeah. It does sound pretty fun. I think, I'd really enjoy something like that one day. Well, if you ever want to come out, just reach out and I'll help you any way I can. All right. Well, I appreciate that. I'd definitely like to sometime. I mean, I'm sure I could get a few buddies to come with me and we all split the driving and stuff and get there and stay for a week or two and hit some good tracks. Um, I think that might be difficult because there's not very many places to ride on the West coast. Um, but you could, you know, stop in the dunes, spend a few days there. Even if you, yeah. come, even if you come closer to the warmer time of the year, you know, you get up and take an early morning dune ride or a late evening dune ride. Um, there's nothing like it. It's pretty amazing. Oh, I, I'm sure. I mean, when we were out in the little Sahara, it was just pretty, pretty crazy. You know, you, get out there and it's not it's big but it's not big what you guys are used to and we get out there and it's just like wow this is it's like you're in the middle of nowhere and just sand hills you can't see anything but sand so it's kind of 
kind of it's like a relaxing feeling you know you're just out in the middle of nowhere and don't have to worry about anything it's 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 pretty awesome glamis can be pretty overwhelming so can gordon's but you know if you go north you run into glamis so yes you it would cause a fuel issue but you wouldn't be lost somebody's gonna find you <laughs> yeah hopefully well they will they will one way or one way or another they're gonna figure it out and find you um so what's your favorite track my favorite track would probably be red bud or underground in texas um red bud is like a local track to me um it's an hour and a half from north of my house so i've grown up riding there i go to most of the open rides and i just like riding in the sand the sand is probably one of my favorite places to ride yeah well explain that because there's coarse sand and then there's fine sand are you talking river bottom sand or beach sand um i like i don't like when my bike is slow but i like when it's rough so i guess i'd kind of be like river bottom sand yeah because you just get so whooped out and just freaking yeah beat beat you to death you might like havasu then yeah my i actually like decker's track is kind of like river bottom sand it's the sand mixed with clay so it doesn't get super rough but it doesn't like really um eat your bike up and rob horsepower and then we go further down south in florida like a uh sand lot and that's like taking your quad to the deepest beach you've ever been to <laughs> doesn't matter how much horsepower you have it's not enough no <laughs> that's too funny do you do any cycling or anything like that for training oh yeah we uh i rode bike quite a bit my favorite is probably like the rower or the skier machine um i just feel like i can knock those out pretty pretty easy and um and then just get on with it i try not to spend a whole bunch of time working out because i have so much other stuff to do normally with my bike or uh, cleaning it, prepping it, getting my stuff ready since I'm by myself. So I try to just do something that I can stay here at the track and get it knocked out real quick. But uh, I still like like a good quality workout. Uh, and how many, you said you ride three to four days a week? Uh, yeah, three to five. Wow, that's a lot of riding, isn't it? Yeah, I think I've put almost probably 30 some hours on my practice bike already this year. And I don't even ride it every single day. I ride my stalker. Um, I have two practice bikes and, uh, my dirt bike. I ride some days. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what kind of dirt bike do you have? Uh, I have a, a 2019 CRF 250. And you like that? Yeah, it's fun. Um, a lot of my tracks around me don't allow quads. So it's kind of like, I'd still like to go ride with my buddies that I grew up with riding. So that's what they all ride. So I take my dirt bike out there and ride. Do you notice the benefit, um, the same as you do when you ride the quad? As in like my like fitness wise. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, I think I can ride a bike for not like 
at the speed I do my quad, but I can ride a bike for 40 minutes straight on a track. My arms, my arms kill me, but the rest of my body is pretty good. But I can do, I can probably do a, a 30 minute moto pretty consistent if I like really needed to. Um, I try not to put that much time on myself or my bike during one moto. I normally just stick to our race plan or I normally do like 22 to 24 minutes. That's about where our races normally end up. So I like to focus on that time. And when you go road bike and how long are you, how long do you go out for the road bikes? We do 15 to 20 miles about every time. Really? So, I mean, we've done some longer rides. I think the longest ride I've ever done was 60 miles. And that was just kind of like a more of a mental thing, I guess, just to know you could do it. How fast can you get your uh, road bike up to? Uh, we average probably 19 to 21 miles an hour. Um, just a good pace. We like, I've been trying to go off my heart rate more and keep it around like the 140 area, 140 to 150. So I'm working myself a little harder. Did I get that high getting out of the chair? <laughs> I hear you. Uh, dude, I'm old enough to be your grandfather. So, you know, well, maybe not. Well, yeah, probably pretty close. You know, yeah, my grandpa, my grandpa is pretty old. He, uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he was, I think, uh, 98 or 99 this year. Wow. So yeah, my, my dad, my dad's pretty old. I was, my sister is, uh, about 12 years older than me and I'm 21. So you were a late arrival, huh? Yep. Yep. She's, it's like two different worlds for my parents. Cause I was still a baby and my sister, she's married with two kids now and has her own life going. So we still see her a lot. She lives about 40 minutes, uh, South of us. And so, yeah, my parents have had the best of both worlds, I guess. Where exactly are you guys? Where do you exactly do you guys live? We are uh, Crew, Indiana. So if you look at the Indiana map and you see Indianapolis, we are directly north of it. Um, probably an hour and a half. And, and not that far from Redwood. Nope. We are like an hour and a half from Redbud as well. You, you mentioned you went to college. Where did you go to school? Um, I went to uh, Indiana University of Kokomo. It's just a, uh, a like, a, I can't think of the word, uh, the word um, a smaller school of IU. And I did that for two years. I went for business management and... I was doing it and racing and trying to work some when I was home. It was just too much. And I decided I'd rather just not go to school. And me and my mom and dad talked about it for quite a while, probably about a year. We were trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I decided I just don't want to do it. And it just wasn't something I enjoyed. I'd rather go to go to work every day and learn my dad's business and learn how to do that than go to school. I always wondered how a business professor that teaches in college that's never had a business can teach business. You know, that's kind of where we're at. 
And it's funny you mentioned that. Like, that's kind of how my dad was. He was okay with it. He was happy that I wanted to. My dad started his business when he was 18 and he's been in business forever. Um, he started like with nothing. They were dirt broke and he's made a, a very well, very good living off of his business. So he was very excited. That I wanted to take over it. And my mom's just, no, 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 no. He needs to go to get a, a degree. And my sister got a degree for, um, I think, communications or something. I don't even know, honestly. And, but she has a, a very well job. She works for a company called Evo. It's a hair company. And she makes a, a good living with that. And her husband's a florist and um, a very good golfer. And he makes some money golfing. So you said a florist and a good golfer. Yeah. Does he yep, golf? He, uh, really? Yes. Yeah, so he uh, tried to get onto the PGA tour a couple of times. Um, he actually went out to Colorado to play in tournaments and he would do really good. And then he got sick one night. I don't know if he was just a nervous wreck about it. Cause it was, I mean, that's a big deal trying to get in there. And he got, I mean, you miss one bad shot with those guys and you're done. You know what I mean? Those guys come there to play no matter what, but yeah, he, uh, He's pretty impressive golfer. He's a left-handed, so. Oh, wow. A lefty. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, he's actually um, a place in Indy called Crooked Stick, and he's actually tied uh, Tiger Woods' score there, so that was pretty neat. Tiger. But he plays a lot of um, tournaments for big tournaments, I guess. He travels a lot. That's pretty awesome. If you can make some money at it, um, and, and turn a little profit. That's at anything. That's, that's a good day. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like when I'm home, I work for my dad and then me and my, one of my buddies, we detail cars a lot. So we try to get some cash flow in there. So working on diesel trucks and detailing cars. Yep. That's what I do when I'm home. How bad, how severe does the weather get in the wintertime? So can you ride all year round at home or no? Oh, no. Um, it starts getting cold. <laughs> you know, you never know in Indiana. It can be, it was 75 there, I want to say, two days ago. And today we got a, a massive, not massive, we got an ice storm. My dad sends me a picture of the weather every day because he gets a little jealous. I'm down here in Florida. And they work outside all day. But, yeah, I mean, October is about the cutoff for us about doing anything outside. It gets too cold. And then we probably start getting things going around April. I mean, we don't have a very long summer up there. I For me, that is that is total culture shock. And I'll explain like we had rain today and it totally ruined my attitude and day because I had to tarp the machines and push stuff out so that I, I have to push out so I can work, you know, 
in Southern California, you have so many days that are sunny and clear. And, and if it's cloudy, I mean, you just don't get that many rain days, you know, in the last, I've had three rain days and it just pisses me off. (laughs) You know, like we have, um, like our saying is like April showers. If it's April, you better expect rain every day. Not every, but it, it rains a lot. And, um, most of our winters, I, I haven't got the worst of them since I haven't been home in the last couple of years, but like this, this winter that we just are getting over, we got, um, I think two and a half foot of snow within two weeks. So we got hit pretty good there and it shut down a lot of stuff and schools, which is no big deal. Cause they got the e-learning stuff going on since the COVID hit. But other than that, Indiana, we got corn. Well, hey, you have some big corn-fed football players and stuff there too, don't you? <laughs> yeah, we sure do. That's awesome. Um, how did the COVID affect uh, your 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 dad's business or your racing? Um, it affected the business pretty decent. Um, not not terrible. You know, trucks were still running. Um, we always slowed down in the in the summertime. Wintertime is our our biggest hit. Um, people just over like overlook simple stuff, you know, like you gotta put fuel additives in your diesel so it doesn't gel up. And that's probably one of our biggest sayings is stuff freezes or airline freezes when you get uh moisture in there and it just it gets so cold and it just breaks stuff all the time. So that's our biggest time. And we have uh I think five service trucks that are running almost constantly in the, in the winter. And but for outside job in the miserable weather. So that, that tech is just a tough guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's not fun doing it. Um, you just got to find something that nobody else wants to do, I guess. Man, I am. I don't envy that because I am as full blown sissy. It gets <laughs> right right now. I'm in the place that I tape, and I would say, um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's below, you know, fifty in here, and I'm freezing to death. It might be. It might be colder than that. Maybe. Maybe I'm just because uh, I don't have a thermometer in here. But I got a. I got three layers on and I still got my work boots on and um, it, it's cold for me. It's freezing. I'm freezing. Uh, oh, I believe it being from California, but it's, um, I mean, like I said, it's just one of those things I've grow, grown up there. So I'm used to it, I guess. Like when we were in high school, we it'd be snowing out and we wear shorts at school. Well, you know, I'm pretty bad about that. Most of the races I ever go to, I don't matter where it is. I'm wearing shorts, you know? Uh, yeah. It's just comfy. Well, it's to me, it's easier. I, I wear knee guards when I work and work on bikes and you're on your knees and you're standing up. And if you've ever put your knee down in a pile of rocks, you know exactly why I wear knee guards. Oh yeah. You know, you just, sure do. Oh, it hurts, you know, or you're picking gravel out of your leg at night, you know, after the races. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I'm not opposed to any of that. And and when you go to the races and you're working on this stuff, it's even if it's cold or it's 
the weather's not good or it might might be might be miserable for the most part it's not because you're getting to do i'm getting to do what i love you know right i may complain a little but you know i'm still i'm still i'm still not pulling weeds yeah i, I agree with you some days i'm kind of like you know this sucks i don't want to do this but but then i just like have somebody tell me you know you know, you're getting a ride every day and do this and that and kind of doing your own thing. So I'm super blessed to be able to do this and not have to have a normal job, I guess. You know, I work every day and so does my brother. My father is 85, works just about every day. And no, he doesn't have to, but he wants to. and and. And I like working. I mean, I like doing what I do. Um, I love work at building ATVs is probably the funnest thing you could ever do. Um, and yeah, it's my, it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to choke on saying this. It's my job. And people go, what? Yeah. I get to play for a job. Yeah. ATVs is not uh, in some circles, a serious job. Well, it's what we do for a living. It's what we've always done for a living is work on three wheelers and four wheelers and, and motorcycles occasionally. Uh, no, I don't want to work on UTVs. <laughs> yeah, that's, it is kind of nice to say that this is like my job, but that's kind of like when you were saying, um, how long I wanted to do it. They're like, I, I just couldn't see myself doing it for like the amount I make for years on years. That was, that's like the only biggest thing I have for myself, I guess. You know, you, you have to, it's like the triple a ball player, you know, he's super close to the show. He's not making any money, but he's in the grind. Um, you know, do you wait for your shot or do you go get a regular job? You know, I mean, and you talk to, I get to talk to guys that raced professionally for 15, 20 years and some of them made money. Some of them didn't. Um, and now they have a real job and they go, I want to go back. I want to go back to the days when all I had to do was race and work on my quad and, and just go race. Um, but it's not like that anymore. No, I don't, I don't think it is. Um, I mean, a lot of the people that I race with, I don't know if they've ever like had a, a normal job. So say, um, so it's kind of like, I guess I'm in a different position. I like working at my dad's shop. I enjoy it. I enjoy being around the people there. Um, and I think that puts a big help in it and it kind of like motivates me, like the stuff my dad gets to do with us. I'd like to be able to do that with like my kid one day and give him that experience. So that's how I look at things, I guess. I, I think that getting to enjoy your child's hobby, you know, cause you're going to introduce them to it. Um, oh yeah. Some kids will, will find their own path when, uh, adults don't show them something that they're passionate about, but you're a professional racer. And uh, when your child sees, um, 
photos or trophies or things like that, they'll ask questions or they see the old race bike in the corner, you know, uh, they'll gravitate to it automatically. And before you know it, you'll be chasing them at the races and, and doing the things that you love to do. And it'll bring back all the positive that you experienced and you'll be able to help them enjoy it themselves. Yeah. I think, I mean, my dad, my dad used to race, um, motorcycles. Um, he loves speed boats. He loves fast cars. He loves anything. It's fast or racing. So I think that's why he, some days he enjoys it more than I do. You know, he's like, I'll take off work. Let's go ride. I'll watch you ride. You know, you got somebody to go with you. If you don't, I'll go. And it's pretty nice to have like a dad. that's like always like, let's go. Come on. Come on. So that's helped me a lot through the year. And I just want to be able to do that with my kid one day. And, you know, he's going to have the coolest 50 before he even knows he has the coolest 50. (laughs) (laughs) Make him learn on a stalker and let him graduate in. Yep. I mean, because yeah, that's, that's how I, that's how I started. Started on a stock TRX 90 at a fair race and had a blast. Oh yeah. Yep. It's, it's actually pretty neat. So like there's three, four, there's actually five of us from Peru, Indiana and Peru, Indiana is not small. You look it up. I don't know how many people are in there. I like don't even know off the top of my head. We're the uh, circus city um, capital of the world. Um, and there was actually five of us that raced nationals there. And I think about all of us have won a national title from like small Peru, Indiana. Um, I'm sure you've heard of Brogan Geyer from last year. Um, he had a, an older sister that raced. There was two other girls, Emily and Abby Boyer. Uh, they raced the women's class or the, the, I think they raced just um, like 90 production or whatever when it was 90 production back in the day. And then there was uh, Blake Sarver. Pretty sure he uh, won a national championship as well. So it's kind of cool. You know, we like would travel the national series, but all be from the same town. And knew and we all got up. Yeah, I mean, like we all grew up together and we all like obviously became uh, closer as we went and we're still, you know, all close. Um, all the families are, and we're all still living in the same town. And so it's kind of nice to come from like a background of that. And I guess I'm the last one here. Well, dude, make the best of it. Are you a Notre Dame fan? Um, yeah, I guess. Um, I don't really follow any, college sports that much anymore. Um, I know there, are you a big football fan? I like football. I'm not as much anymore. Um, but I, I like, I still like football. I still like watching the Super Bowl, and I like watching the NCAA final game. Um, and when I can, the reason I'm not a bigger fan is because I work all the time. So I miss almost all the games. And when I get home at night, um, or when I'm not doing this, I want to spend time with my wife. And, uh, um, so I don't, I don't, I don't watch NASCAR anymore. Um, my two pleasures for racing that, that I'll watch my dad and I like to watch F1 and MotoGP. 
I gotcha. Yeah. I'm, that's how I am. You know, I used to be big in sports. You know, I was played basketball and soccer when I was in uh, high school. So, I mean, I was all about the NBA and watching uh, pro soccer games. But now that I've got older, I don't even, I don't even watch TV. I don't even have like a cable or satellite at my house. I just, we want to watch something. We turn on Netflix or YouTube TV or Apple TV. We don't even have regular TV anymore. I just, I don't watch it. I'm always in our, um, our garage messing with something. You know, we have all the streaming services as well. And, uh, you know, are the different ones and, um, you know, we have Cox cable out here and, and I don't think I've went and looked at a TV show on Cox in two or three years. It's just life has developed for myself in such a different fashion because um, we're trying to take on, or I'm trying to take on and develop two portions of the ATV business uh, besides working, excuse me, besides working full-time at Duncan racing. I have a, a, an offshoot business that feeds off Duncan racing off of, uh, you know, racers that need extra services that, that Duncan racing can't provide because, you know, we, we only work so many hours a day and there's only two of us. So, uh, right. we can, what we can do, but after hours or somebody that you need somebody to go riding with or somebody to prep bikes or, or build you bikes, uh, that, that, that we can't provide, then I can do those things in my off hours. And then I didn't think I was busy enough. And I started ATV talk. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like you just have a love for something. You just never want to stop. And that's kind of like, I am, you know, I, when I'm home, like during the summer, my dad doesn't really make me work because he knows I'm super busy with my, uh, my motocross stuff. And I wake up, um, seven thirty, you know, and I get ready to go ride. By the time you go to the track, eat lunch, moto again, maybe moto a third time, um, get back, clean the bike, prep the bike. It's four or five o'clock, you know, and they're going home. And then I just go home and you know, fiddle with stuff. Right. I, I get it. You know, I mean, it's, it, it never, this portion of my life never ends. I know when I get off this done taping the show with you, I have a, a customer that needs help or a rider that needs help. And I'll be getting on the phone with them and, and taking care of it. And, um, also I have to go pick up some parts for another job, um, that, that are, that we had some modifications done to and that I have to finish so that I can deliver it. You know? It's yeah. Just, the, the order I've gotten, the more I've learned, it's just like a never ending thing, which is I'm okay with. I love being on the move. I'm like always full blast, ready to go. I got to do this, 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 and this, and then, I got time. I'll squeeze this in. So I feel like I, I am a very productive person. Dude, we're all, we're all super productive, but some days you have so many things on your plate, your wheels are spinning and you ain't going nowhere. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
I get it, man. I get it. I, I love ATVs. I love ATV racing. I'm, I'm a huge fan, you know, I mean, granted I work for a ATV performance company. How can you not be a fan? Right. But yeah, it's, I don't know if I'd like want to do anything else though. You know, this is what I like to do. Well, you'll, you'll either grow into the, the business with your dad or you'll grow into an offshoot business, uh, something that you want to do, you know, maybe with ATVs or, or maybe with another form of racing. Yeah. Um, I've actually like, my dad has a, a performance boat and I got to take that out with him last summer for my first time. And, you know, I fell in love with that thing. Um, so it was like a different adrenaline rush. Uh, he has a, a 26 foot eliminator and it'll run 120 miles an hour. So it's like a, it's a handful for sure. It's a rush all in itself, right? It is. You When you have a thousand horsepower feeling in your hands, it's kind of crazy. So yeah. I like stuff like that. I like, I mean, obviously I like diesel trucks. I have a diesel truck myself. Um, but yeah, maybe one day I'd like to start like, a. am like, a. I like custom stuff like on diesel trucks and I like clean stuff. So I've always wanted to start like a custom off-road, um, diesel thing, or even like, I like uh, the Raptor trucks and stuff like that. That stuff really interests me. Just anything off-road, I guess. You need to come out here to the West Coast and try a desert race, too. I know. I think I would just fall in love with it. Best in the desert or score. You know, you, you got to be prepared to race score because it's a wholly different world. Uh, best in the desert, there's no pre-running, but the course is pretty well marked. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, like, I like that kind of racing as well as the off-road, the work-style stuff. Um, I mean, I've got to do both. I've got to race motocross. I mean, I've, I've raced them all, but it's, it's totally different. Desert racing is such a discipline because most of the time when you're racing, you're by yourself. You know, you might see. So it's kind of like, so do they do, uh, how long is that race? Well, it depends on the race that you get into. Uh, like the Baja 250, it's 250 miles. You know, you're done by one o'clock, you know, you started sunrise or you start about 7 a.m. You know, that's when the, when the quads go off the line could be a little earlier. Um, and then, you know, you have the Baja 500, you have Vegas Torino, you have uh, the Baja 1000. I mean, some of these races like the 1000, if it goes to the, to La Paz or Cabo, I mean, that's a, like a, almost a two day race and you're racing, uh, you know, you, you leave the line Friday morning and you get to the finish line, you know, Sunday, Saturday night. So yeah, I feel like that like mentally drain you. Um, it, it beats you up. It beats you up a little being a mechanic, being a, a, a rider as well. Um, so do they have, um, like when you do say 250 miles, the 250 mile one, how do you like, is it like a, just a big loop that you take or is it? Yeah. It's like, like a, it's a course, you know, it's a 250 mile course. 
you know, and uh, so how do you fifty miles? Like, you basically, basically every fifty miles, you get a gas pit. Okay, so they like you have to have a crew that sets up there, pretty much. Um, most of the courses, you have to have either like to do the two fifty, you need three trucks, two to cover your normal pits, and they have to leapfrog or have specific areas. One guy does the North, one guy does the South, um, or you, you split it up. And then there's one remote pit generally that you lose that guy all day. He has to drive in there super early in the morning and sit there until the race is over when he can drive out. Um, but you know, but the 500, you can do it with two and you're leapfrogging the whole way around pit to pit to pit. Um, when I did it a lot, I worked it out so that I could catch almost every pit. Uh, and that's driving a little over the speed limit. <laughs> a, uh, well, more than a little, but y- you get the idea. And in making your way to these spots, you have to know the shortcuts, how to get in and out. Um, so your chase vehicle is is ultimately as important as your race vehicle. Right. Because, yeah, I got you. Because you ain't there to get gas or if you're not there to fill it up, you ain't getting gas. You're waiting. The best thing about, you know, which I'm sure you feel it in the ATV world where you guys are, you're just one big family. If you need something and your buddy's got it or somebody, you know, has got it, they're generally willing to lend it because they know they're going to get it back and you're all one big family. So yeah, I've seen people go ahead. Like I totally agree with that. Um, you know, you go to the dirt bike world and I feel like it'd be almost harder to find something there just because people don't want to help each other out. Just because, I mean, I go to the Loretta's we used to about every year, our training facility of Travis's was 45 minutes. So we would go in there, hang out and it's a whole different world there. You know, those guys are if his bike won't, won't start, you know, you don't have a guy helping you push start it. And you do that in ATV motocross and you got people rolling their, their own bikes out to give somebody a ride just to race. You know, they yep. don't want to see anybody sitting out because something's broke or they want everybody to race. And, and, and that's the difference between the motorcycles and the, and the ATVs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I've kind of learned that. I mean, it doesn't like upset me, but it's kind of annoying when, you know, when I show up to a track and they're like, Oh, you're, you can't ride here. You're a quad. And I'm like, well, you know, like why, why can't I, you know, they're like, well, you know, you ruin the track and all the face jumps and it's just like, okay, well, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it necessarily but it's just kind of like tracks have been very limited around me and even in florida now like oh you can ride you know four to five o'clock today but that doesn't do much for me you know yeah you get one moto in you have to you have to just ride one hard moto for 40 minutes 45 minutes and then you're done yeah i mean it's like you don't need you're like wasting your time almost Right. So I get it, man. I don't I mean it's whatever. Um it does frustrate me though, especially like 
we've had a couple of local tracks complain about it. And it's like, I'm not trying to be an enemy here, but that's just kind of what's the difference between my money and his. And I'll probably impress more people than any of these guys will. Yeah. You just go in there and go, okay, Hey guys, let's, let's have a five lap race, you know, and win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you guys win. I'll go home. I win. You go home. Yeah. You know, or, or if I, or, or if I win, you give me time to ride, you get time to ride and, and we'll just do it that way. Yeah. Like I don't, you know, I, I would rather like ride with people, you know? Right. So makes it more fun on the track when it's a little rough, but whatever. So if you had to give a little advice to some of the up and comers, what would that advice be? Um, probably listen to your parents. You know, when your dad tells you something, he's, he might know what he's talking about. Um, and just enjoy it while you can. Um, you know, when you're little, you're like, ah, I got forever. I ain't growing up. I'm only 10 years old. Well, it's not true. You grow up pretty quick. Um, I definitely miss like the old days. I mean, it was a lot of fun growing up with all my friends traveling with us from Peru. And then we'd come back and, you know, we'd hang out and it's like, and we all raced against each other, but it's not like, it's not personal, I guess. So it's kind of nice. Just you go out there and if he's better than me or I'm better than him, that's just how it is for today. And you just got to learn from that and move on and try to get better. Exactly. Exactly. That's kind of like um, me and Alan Myers. We, we trained together since 2015 to 2019. And I feel like we kind of push each other to a, a different level. When we had our, our, uh, our Walsh hybrids, we were really like the first ones on four fifties with them. And I feel like we kind of set the bar like to another level and like the, the A class and the pro or he did pro am I did a class and pro sport. And I don't know, we would just ride together every day and some days I'd be faster. Some days he'd be faster, but we'd ride home in the same truck and we'd be best friends. And yeah. we still are. So that's just kind of nice about it. Does he spend much time with you down in Florida at all? Yeah, he's actually, he's been down here um, rough. He got here like a week before I did. He's still been down here. Um, as you've probably seen, he's not racing this year, but he's still down here um, helping with the facility. He just loves being here as well. Um, loves helping out. He does a lot of riding schools with little kids. And uh, he's helping the Deckers out a lot. So he's just enjoying his time off. And I don't, I mean, I don't blame him for wanting some time off. He's never really been hurt and set out a season. I've, um, in 17, I got hurt and I set out for a whole season. And that was like the first time, you know, I went to concerts and, um, parties and I've never really had that, like a different life, you know, like us racers, we don't go to a big college and go to college parties all the time and have a, a college life. 
so say. But so it was kind of cool to see a different um, point or a different view on like what life is like. But I definitely enjoy like I would definitely rather go to a motocross track than go to a party any day. That's that's what I like to hear, man. That's what I like to hear. Logan, I want to thank you very much for spending some time on ATV Talk, and I really appreciate it. Um, as always, I want to extend an invitation to you to come back and sit down and talk with me. Um, I want to know how the uh, the year breaks down for you. Um, and if you have any big news in your life or in the in the racing world, I want you to hit me up and uh, let's talk about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely down. You know, I like uh, doing these podcasts with anybody, you know, it's kind of nice to get to know. Um, I mean, you're part of Duncan racing. That's pretty cool. How, like how much history you guys have and, uh, being on Cody Jansen, the podcast and it kind of like helps spread the word about, um, the both of us, you know, and I think it's a good thing to have somebody taking their time to do something like this. So it's like much appreciated from us as well that you do this stuff. Well, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get to everybody. Um, it's going to take a little while, but we're doing it. And, uh, I don't just talk to, uh, the motocross guys. I talk to the XC people, the works people. I go back in time and talk to the old school guys. Um, yes, there were ATV racing before you were born. Oh yeah. I know that's crazy to think. And, you know, like, I like, obviously I was seeing like the 250 yards and stuff. And it's crazy to see like how much different the technology is now than it was in, you know, we got, we're running dual fuel injectors, um, and just crazy electronics with the vortex. And back then it was just, you tune it. I don't even know if you guys tuned it or not. You just put it together and if it ran good, it ran good. You had to tune them. And um, there's a gentleman coming on the show on Friday and we're taping this way before. So this episode will already be out when, when your episode comes out. But on Friday, Jim Babbitt, he was a three-wheeler racer uh, in 1972. He raced his rigid 93-wheeler uh, for the first time at Speedway 117 here in Southern California. Wow. That's, that's a long, I mean, that was 20 years before I was even born. There you go, brother. 20 plus. <laughs> I I was, I was eight years old then. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm ancient. I know. But <laughs> my dad built a lot of the motor on the, Post and in Southern California for these guys that raced the the rigid three wheelers, the ninety one tens, and the one eighty five S's and the two hundred X's. So history and being around a long time, we've seen a lot of different things. We've seen a lot of different changes. So yes, the the electronics that we deal with today versus the carburation we deal dealt with in yesteryear. Um, there's a big difference. There's a lot of things that, that you young guys should, you guys should look back into history and see some of that stuff because it will teach you things. It'll teach you that those old men were tough. Yeah, I agree. Just like, 
the technology with anything nowadays, you know, we, my dad hates the new technology with the, uh, like with the semis and everything. Um, he's always having to update his computers and back, like when he gets an old truck in there, he's happy as can be because he knows that like the back of his hand. Right. So that's kind of nice, you know, like he like, that's why he likes having me there when he gets like computer problems. It's like, Hey, you know, like you should be able to figure this out. You're young. So well, you up with things that we don't, that we haven't. You know, you right. when you were little, they handed you a an iPad or a phone or something, and you were playing with the computer stuff when you were an infant. Right. Archaic old men have to pick this device up and figure out how it, how it works. And for you, it's second nature. Right, because I was born into it. Yep. My daughter, who does all the editing, laughs at me constantly because... <laughs> I look at her and she goes, I already showed you how to do this. And I'm like, okay, I just still don't remember. <laughs> yeah, that's how my dad is. He's like, hey, can you, you want to show me how to play this Facebook video? And I'm like, dad, you just hit play. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I get it, man. I get it. I totally get it. Again, Logan, thank you so much for spending some time with us on ATV Talk. And please, I hope you'll come back and, and sit down with us and, and give us more insight to your year and the, how the future's panning out for you. And uh, anytime you have any information or anything you want to talk about, hit me up because I'm more than glad to. I will do. Thanks for having me again. It was a pleasure being here and I will for sure be back. Hey, and if you do make it out to the West coast or you do decide that you want to come out, reach out to me. You know, there's a lot of people out here. I have a lot of connections. We'll see if we can hook you up. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, brother. You have a great night and good luck this year. Knock them dead. Thank all right. You. Sounds good. Thank you. You too. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Bye. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.